And welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm Lori LeBay, the host and founder of Alzheimer Speaks. And I have to apologize up front if I sound a little squeaky. I'm still getting over the crud, so bear with me here. Um, before I introduce our guest today, though, I want to just tell you a little bit about Alzheimer Speaks um, because we're always getting new listeners. And bottom line, we are an advocacy based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. We believe that by joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having these everyday conversations about life with dementia, that we're going to be able to help remove the stigmas attached to memory loss and help people continue to live purpose-filled lives. Together, we can, we can really help people understand the true needs of this disease and um, remove the fear and isolation that separates friends and families in their communities. At our core, we also believe that collaboration is the only way that we're going to win um, this battle against dementia. And I know that that's working because of all of your likes and clicks and shares. You see, because of you, each one of our listeners, um, through your likes, your clicks and shares with your Facebook friends, your Twitter tribes, your LinkedIn colleagues, your Pinterest pals, and so many other social media platforms out there, um, by sharing our information here on Alzheimer's Speaks, not just the radio, but dementia chats and our blog um, and other resources on our website, you got us named as the number one influencer online regarding Alzheimer's, according to Share Care and Dr. Oz. And again, we could not have done that alone. Um, so a big thanks to all of you, and I hope while you're listening, you will sit and share this show and maybe go through some of the others as well um, with, your, with your sphere of influence. There's so many people in our own spheres dealing with this disease that we don't even know until we give them the opportunity to kind of come out of the closet and let them feel comfortable with the conversation, letting them know it's okay to talk about this. Um, one of the other things I always like to share with our listeners is, hey, you know what, you might be our next guest. Because here on Alzheimer's Speaks Radio, we like to hear everybody's voice because this is not a disease of one. It's a disease of society. And until we listen and hear from all parties, we're really not going to be able to find a cure or um, take good care of people, both those diagnosed and those caring for those um, who are diagnosed. And we're just not going to be able to do it well. So um, we often have people with dementia on our show. Many times I actually have a co-host, though I don't have one with me today. Um, we have family members. We have had um, people who have written books, films, songs, um, advocates for the disease. We've had researchers like Harvard Research on um, businesses that have developed services and products or tools for people. So if you think you might um, have a good story, and have a good product, service, or tool that can help the next person, please uh, reach out to me. I would love to talk to you. You can email me at lori, L-O-R-I, at alzheimerspeaks.com, or you can always uh, just jot me a note here in the comment section, or you can go to alzheimerspeaks.com and click on the big contact um, button. Now, today's show, I'm really excited because we're going to be talking about some of the differences between here in America, and over in Romania. And we are so lucky to have with us Philip Chopin, who is known as Flip, and he is the CEO and founder of Telmed Europa, and he's also the managing director of Telios Romania. He's the ambassador for Romania for the Purple Angel uh, Dementia Education Movement, um, which most of you know started out of the UK, and he is also a certified Alzheimer's caregiving specialist. He leads companies in all phases and aspects of planning from strategic 
um, financial implementation in marketing. Um, Philip brings with him a diverse background from investment banking, mortgage banking, syndication, private placement, manufacturing, and trade, and he has been involved in a number of startups um, around the world. Um, he has um, lived in Hong Kong and Indonesia and India and now Romania. Uh, Philip is heavily involved in the education of Alzheimer's disease with a specific focus on caregiving for the Alzheimer's patients. He's working in conduct conjunction with Healthcare Interactive, who happens to be Minnesota-based, who I know um, well here in the U.S., to develop a Romanian version of its training curriculum. Um, Philip is widowed, and he has a daughter that resides in Romania, and um, he also is very avid in his uh, in his fitness uh, plan. So today we're going to be talking, kind of um, navigating the barriers and bridges between Romania and America, and what he calls using the KISS system in healthcare. Um, and I will let him explain that a little more. So welcome, Philip. Thank you, Lori, for uh, that introduction. Um, I couldn't have said anything better <laughs> myself. There, <laughs> there, you did great. Again, I thank you, and um, I am very pleased to be a part of uh, this show and discuss uh, some of our experiences and what we foresee the future okay. to be to. So I turn it to you now. Okay. So to start with, you know, why don't you tell people what brought you into the realm of dementia? Because most of us just don't walk in here, uh, you know, on our own. What, what brought you here? Okay. I was um, actually, I'm uh, Romanian mm -hmm. by heritage. All, all of my grandparents were born here. After the revolution in 1989, I decided to come back here and see what the terrain was, was like. So I came back and I liked it here. So I stayed. I met a girl in uh, 1995 and um, I brought her back to the States in 1998 and she liked it so much in the States that I said, let's go back back home. She said, if you want to go back home, you go. I'm staying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyhow, to make a long story short, we were married in uh, 1998. And in the year 2004, uh, after finishing the uh, Cleveland Clinic School of Nursing, um, in 2004, she began to come home from work and she would forget things. She would say, I think I forgot to give this patient a shot. I think I forgot this. I think I forgot this. And we went to many, many specialists at um, many different clinics around. Finally, in the year 2006, one of my friends, a uh, neurologist said, you know, we can't figure this out. Let's take a genetic test. We took a genetic test, and in two weeks' time, the results came came back, and she was carrying one of the genes, uh, the APO4 gene, or APOE gene it is. And therefore, we knew. So after where she worked found found out about this they let her go and uh, we started on our journey then i'll put it uh in 2009 we came back back here for a visit and she reacted well we went back to the states again and all during 2011 each evening she would pack a bag and she would be by the front door of our house and i would ask her in her language what are you packed for where are you going i'm going to see mom so this went on for almost a year finally i telephoned 
her mother here, who, by the way, uh, Carmen had another sister in the U.S. who also passed away from this disease, too. So in 2009, in November, we made the choice to move back here. And it was a good, good choice because all her memories from our marriage, from anything that happened in the States, all those were gone. But the memories of her growing up and in the city we we moved back to, where she was born and raised, she felt at home and she remembered. So, again, long story short, that's how I get I got involved. So I was her caregiver essentially from 2004 up up until uh, lately when she passed away. Okay. Um, so quite the journey. Most of us have the journey, you know, in one location. But then when you're going with not only two locations but two different countries, two different languages to boot – um, those are some, some really big vari- variables, um, that have to add a lot, uh, a lot to the journey and how you, how you process things. Can you tell us what some of your experiences in dealing with dementia, um, you know, both in the U S and Romania were and, and, um, you know, kind of the good, the bad and the ugly, I guess, of both that you saw. Okay. I can, t- let's start with the U.S., okay? Mm-hmm. The U.S. has one of the best medical systems throughout the world. They have one of the best diagnostic systems throughout the world. Everything knows very expensive, such as when we took her genetic test, her insurance would not pay for that test. So, we paid for it from our own uh, out of your own pockets pocket mm-hmm. at that at that time. Okay, um, things have changed since since then. Okay, a lot. Okay, um, caregivers in the states are trained. Okay, but the cost is immense. Also, you know as well as I do, assisted living cost, home care cost. Anytime you hire somebody from the outside, it costs a lot mm-hmm. of money. And for the average middle-class person, which we were, we were blessed too, but we were, we couldn't, we couldn't afford to have that luxury of having somebody come in because at the time that she was diagnosed and in insurance picked up and everything it was too it was too late at that point in time to get long care long-term care insurance or any of those particular things back then okay so so from that standpoint, though, from the diagnosis, from the treatment, from from the knowledge base, the states is very, very good. Now, inversely, coming here, all right, I brought her back here because when I brought her back here, she was comfortable here. She didn't know who I was, but she knew her mother. She knew her cousins. She knew her family here. And she had lost her ability to speak English, but Romanian, no. Okay. She kept that. Okay. And if I can add, here's a girl, by the way, that um, spoke uh, Romanian, English, French, Italian, German, Hungarian. Wow. All fluently. Wow. Okay. So bringing her back here was was actually a great great choice, everything because she felt at home, she felt relaxed. The doctors here also weren't like they are in the states. Uh, although again in the states, the knowledge base is good, but it's more like a machine there. 
the doctors here are, are more clinically based and they take their time with you. And for that is something that I cannot be thankful enough for everything. Plus, the biggest factor was the cost of her care. Instead of a, being able not to be able to afford a person there or home care or nursing home home care, mm-hmm. here I had the luxury where I, I could employ two women full-time. Okay. Big difference. Here. The downside of that, though, though, and now now we get into the training parts of this a little bit. Nobody here is trained. So because nobody here was was trained, I took it on to hire to and train them. Both. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which, yeah, that had to be um, really interesting in terms of, of tackling that if there's no base. Um, to start with, um, how did how did you go about getting people trained and, and even attracting them to this? Actually, I have how I attracted both people. I, I have a friend here who runs a foundation for um, um, alcoholics. And what I did is I interviewed a number of the people who had been quote unquote dry for years and two of them stuck out to me to have good hearts quick minds and wanted to learn and work and that's when I approached um, um, healthcare healthcare. interactive Mm -hmm. in the states there and uh, John was nice enough to give me his courses we translated those, and we still are now, and I sat down with them and went through each and every course. So Romania in Europe right now has the only other two certified Alzheimer's caregivers besides myself that reside here in uh, Eastern Europe. Okay. Well, that's uh, well, that's fabulous um, that you were able to do that. Um, can you give people just an idea of time frame from, you know, when you thought, hey, I want to do something with education, to when you were actually able to partner and deliver something? Okay, uh, when I wanted to do something with education began in the year two thousand nine. And how it began was this. I came here. I sat down with um, my wife's mom, her cousins, everything, and said, look, I would like to train you all how this disease is going to progress. And they looked at me, and the question back to me was, why? Which as Americans, and we deal with this each day, uh, why is something we don't ask? Why is something we say we need this necessity-wise? Yeah. Everything. So when people began to ask why, that's when I basically approached John, but I didn't actually approach him until the year 2011 it was everything. By the time we got the courses, by the time we translated the even the initial basis and everything, um, I was literally taking the course in English, reading it into Romanian to the two girls who I had hired. And Right. Only now are we in the process of doing the videotapes. So you can see from 2011 to 2017, it's been over five five years, and it's still being worked worked on. Yep, it's a it's a slow process, but it's one that is definitely needed. And um, I appreciate your tenacity um, to go through the process and and to continue. Because a lot of times, um, especially after somebody loses a loved one, they kind of run and hide from the disease and don't want anything to do with it anymore. 
And um, even though your wife has passed, you're still hanging in there with it and still moving things forward. And, and I, I um, like many, appreciate your efforts and healthcare interactives as well um, to, to get this job done and to help share, <clears throat> share the knowledge because it is so critical. Um, I, I find it interesting that they wanted to know why. Why would we want to know that? Because when you said that, I just kind of smiled thinking, well, of course. I mean, we just push our doctors here for the whys and how longs. And, I mean, we just, we just want control over the disease here. Um, and it sounds like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that they don't look at disease like that in terms of control. Because that's what I see the U.S. trying to do is trying to control it. Um, and that's why we ask all those questions. Would exactly. You... How, how the disease is looked at here, um, it's looked at probably the way the U.S. looked at it 50 years ago, where is if a parent had it, you, you kept them in the house. You didn't take them out because you didn't want the uh public knowing what you were going through, what they were going through. I experienced that for at least a good 18 to 24 months with my wife's mom. She would go out with her and people would ask, what's wrong? Nothing. She's ill. And I would say, no, she has Alzheimer's disease. She has dementia bear with me because we 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 would be in a restaurant and she would outburst or she couldn't control herself people wouldn't look and her mom would be embarrassed and say why do you take us out because it's good to take her out and get her out and do these things so no it exactly you're 100 percent correct People from different parts of the world perceive this disease very, very differently. As Americans, we are more open to discussion, promotion, uh, uh, teaching, everything. A good example of this, Lori, when uh, we started to do the um, videotapes here, There's a young psychiatrist here who is very, very active in this field. We wanted to videotape her. She Mm -hmm. said, you can use my voice. I don't want people to see my face because I'm afraid of the repercussions that may occur. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, that's, it's amazing to me. And, and I know different cultures, um, look at things differently, but to hear, to hear it actually said, you know, stated, um, from someone who's, who's seen it and lived it, um, there's a whole different power to it. Um, so that talks to your, um, to your, your bravery and your commitment to pushing this forward. One question I wanted to ask is, you know, when you, let's say we're out in public and you tried to explain to people what was going on, um, what was their reaction you know, when you're trying to educate people on this? I found this to be more of an age-based proposition, okay? The people that were more, let's say, your age or my age weren't interested in listening to what's going on and why. The younger people, such as I'll say this much. I did a speech two weeks ago in front of uh, the medical school, and there were a number of residents and students there. Everyone asked me very pointed questions, much more so than their professors did. Mm -hmm. So, So getting back to your question... The young people were eager. They wanted to learn. They wanted to help. The older people walked by and would tend to avoid okay. any discussion. Okay. By the way, one one of your one of your people that is, um, I think, a regular on your show, um, Michael. 
Mm-hmm. Michael Ellen Bogan. Ellen Bol- Bogan, okay. Mm-hmm. He was born here. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know that, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to know <laughs> secrets. No, <laughs> no, I... <laughs> okay. Okay. He was born here, and he he is uh, he's actually one of my heroes at this time, too, because he's actually somebody experiencing what my wife did, but he took the bulls by the horn, and he's still running as fast as he, he can. And my hat goes off each day for him. Yeah, Michael is wonderful. In fact, we just had him on our Dementia Chats this morning. And one of the things, uh, and I'll be editing that and, and getting that out, but we talked about trials and getting people involved and just had a fascinating conversation about how the trial companies aren't formatting their questions properly and they're not getting the information to the right people to get people involved. And they just had a lot of great suggestions. And that's what Michael's all about um, really at the forefront of connecting people and um, moving things forward. So I'll have to make sure that he listens to this show. I, I tried to see if he could actually be on with us today, but his schedule just didn't accommodate that. So I had him for an hour this morning on a on a different platform that we do. Um, I do want to mention that we did get a comment here from one of our listeners, from Thomas, uh, and uh, Tomas is in Hungary, and he said the situation is very similar um, there in his in his neighborhoods um, to what you are explaining over in Romania, and so he's he's been kind of fighting that battle battle as well, and um, okay. so you're right, Thomas. Tomas, yep, and he's Thomas. If you're listening. Hello, we know each other, okay? We communicate. Yep, and um, it looks like he's associated with an Alzheimer's cafe, too, um, as yes. well. So, wonderful. And I'm not sure if it's the Tomas that I know or not, um, but if no matter what, we say hi and, and always appreciate everybody's conversation um, during, during uh, our sessions here on Alzheimer's Speak. So feel free to please use the live chat and we'll pull in your, your comment um, or question as we go. Um, I did want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, you're, you're a real big believer in the whole education for um, people dealing with dementia for both the care receiver and the caregiver. Um, can you explain to us the why you feel the need for both and and how... How are you going about doing that? Is that strictly through the healthcare interactive, or do you have some other things going on as well? Actually, we we have some uh, different programs going on. As you know, Alzheimer's is a progressive disease. Okay, there's only up to a certain point of time that you can even educate the uh, what what we'll call the uh, care receiver mm-hmm. at that at at this time and that. So what we've done, and if I if 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 I can plug what we're doing in uh, telemed Europa and Telios now a little bit, okay? Mm-hmm. We are giving caregivers and patients. 24, and this is not only for Alzheimer's, this is for dementia, this is for any other health situation, too. We are giving people access to 24-7, 365 doctor-driven hotlines, which people can, can call, ask questions on, and and either ask questions about themselves or ask questions about the people that they are uh, caring for. Um, one of the things we had to do, and Lori, you're well aware of uh, of this, funding ventures is uh, is something you do with with your heart. Okay, mm-hmm. Romania is especially difficult because nothing here exists like this. So what we did is we started 
the Telemed Europa Project and the Telios Project. And we are approaching companies to educate their employees, to take care of their parents, to take care of nutrition, to take care of, of, to watch for signs of dementia, to watch for any other particular signs that they may see and have concerns for in that. And we're offering that as an insurance program. And then we've commercialized that, and that is what is funding our Alzheimer's and dementia education program, i.e. redoing the videotapes having town hall meetings, being able to educate people without cost. We don't want anybody to be lacking and say, we can't afford a uh, video machine. We, we can't afford a tablet. We, we, we have already participated in a number of town hall type of meetings here where we bring the care receiver and the caregiver in and if the care receiver can still understand we work with them equally as much as we do the care provider and then as the care receiver slips more and more we give the care provider as much support as we can okay well, that's wonderful. That is just wonderful to do. Um, can you tell us, you know, um, a little bit, we had talked offline a little bit about um, a solution you call the KISS. And can you explain what the KISS is and um, how you feel that that's applicable in terms of, of moving forward with, with your goals? Apt question. Okay. KISS principle is something every business student learns in uh, management school. KISS principle means keep it simple, stupid. Okay, that's basically it. Okay, we, we um, what, what the States is very good at, and by the way, the States is the best at this. Every educational program Every new development that comes out, anything that happens like this needs to address a person that has no more than a sixth grade education level, and that is to keep people's attention. You don't want to get too technical. You don't want to get too involved in the disease itself what people want to know is how do i cope with a certain situation mm -hmm. each day and we don't say if a happens then you have to do b then you have to do c then you have to do d we want it as easy as steps one two and three keep it reaction time short and make sure that people understand what they are looking at um, the CARES program that your friend John has there does a tremendous job of explaining it because he keeps it like that. He keeps it very simple and very direct. Yeah, which is, is absolutely critical. Again, in our dementia chats this morning when we were talking about clinical trials, that was one of the, the main points that came across was that it, it wasn't people couldn't complete the information or they couldn't understand it to complete it. And um, that is a critical piece, like you said, in every business, but it is highly overlooked, um, I think, by many, um, because we just always assume that everybody we're dealing with, you know, is at of the same educational level and has the same skill sets. And we really have to know our target markets um, and who, who we're trying to reach and why. Very important. So thank, exactly. So thank, exactly. Yes. Um, can you tell tell our audience what are you currently doing to promote the cause um, from an education to kind of a human rights um, issue? Okay. Um, 
Well, I'm, I've, I've, all, I've always been a little bit of a, oh, radical in my life, okay? One thing I found that in different countries, people react very differently, such as in the States, okay? The States are, are more, more aware of... Uh, the rights of a person to be able to go into a restaurant and sit and uh, not be um, disturbed. So what what we have have done is we have printed up a lot of dementia friendly posters that are going around in restaurants too, putting them up in public places, which, by the way, was not allowed, I put them up. They were immediately torn torn down. I had to get permits to do it. So what we want to do is say, hey, the people with dementia also are human beings. They have rights. I'll tell you a quick story what occurred to me, and uh, one of your listeners, Thomas, knows about this, too, everything. Um, last year, what had occurred, my wife's family thought that they could do a better job than I was doing. So essentially, they kidnapped my wife. And... I did not find her for six weeks. I went to the police here, and because we were married in the States and we weren't married in Romania here, the police did not recognize my marriage and did not recognize me as her husband and therefore would not react. Oh, jeez. Okay, I had it. It took me six weeks to find her and to get her back, and which I did, and that. But the authorities would not lift a finger because they said I don't have any rights. I'm not legally her husband here, so therefore I have no no rights. They can do. They can't do anything only if she makes a complaint and I asked them I said how is she going to make a complaint she has Alzheimer's she has she she's in the last stage of this now well we're sorry we can't help you these are the type of things that I'm bringing out in the open now and publicizing more and people People need to know this, that they need to speak up and be heard. Otherwise, this disease will never come out in the open like it is more in the states, Western Europe. Eastern Europe here is still shut down. The people with this disease have absolutely no rights to determine their future. You know, we had a, a case like that, and I, um, I've been given permission to talk about it um, with one of our folks in our memory cafe, where uh, it was second marriage, and uh, husband took just amazing care of his wife, just amazing care. And I mean, we all saw that throughout the memory cafe for quite a, quite a long period of time. Um, but family was kind of in denial of the disease as a whole. And, um, you know, took her for, gosh, it was a couple, two or three months. And um, then finally realized that she, you know, really needed a lot more care than what they thought. Um, but it was just such a stressful situation. And um, he didn't, he decided not to involve the police, um, even though he knew he had legal rights, because she, he also knew that she loved her family. And he just didn't want to cause her any more stress. And he just said, he just kept praying that things would come around because he was, he was just crushed. She was his, his soulmate his whole life. And, um, but you know, things like this do happen in the U S I think a lot of people think that it doesn't, um, but it does. Um, it's just, again, one of those things that people don't talk about because what do you say? And, um, the accusations, you know, across the table can just be so severe, and it's a very complicated. It's very, very complicated um, 
you know, piece to, to try to figure out. And, um, and just, I can't even imagine how emotionally draining um, going through something like that must have been. Oh, it, it, it was very, very, very much. I said, I'm, I'm very thankful that um, our last wishes were, were, were regarded that uh, uh, when she passed, she was in my arms looking at me directly. And that, that, is, what, that is what we had agreed to 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's um, it's tough stuff. The whole family dynamics, and then even what happens after somebody passes, and what are you what are you left to deal with there? Um, and so many people don't think about all of those pieces of care, and it's it's uh, so easy, especially when others are are far away. They don't they don't see the day to day stuff that a that a care partner um, is dealing with so often. And um, it can really just devastate lives, just absolutely devastate lives. Um, can, oh, go ahead. Exactly. And lastly, I, I'd like to say as a caregiver, okay, one of the things, technology is great. There are so many devices out there that can help people that are in these situation like I was that will give them a little bit more freedom, give them a little bit more, more, more time and help the care receiver and the caregiver both to have better lives. And even to the point of, of keeping them out of a, a a skilled care Mm -hmm. facility for, for as much time as you can. Sure. do this and i'd like if, if i'm allowed am i allowed to plug something sure why stop <laughs> go ahead plug okay. away <laughs> okay no and because okay there's two there's two particular things along with our telehealth education our caregiving pro- program we're also uh investing our time and energy into two particular devices. One is called Tender Care Hub, and that is www.tendercare.com. And this is a monitoring system that is one-stop setup that, uh, and and with, with that, I'm if if I if I would have had a device like this, eleven years years back, it would have freed up probably three to four more years of my life. Okay, mm-hmm. with that one. And the other one we're also doing is it's uh, www.join j o i n loop l o o p dot com. And I'm not going to even try and explain this. It's the coolest device, and I've I've um, I've used it over here for a couple of early patients with their families and and kids, and the people are enjoying it immensely. And by the way, this is part of corporate responsibility, Lori, which I know you're aware of, okay, mm-hmm. is 20% of our profits off of those devices go to Alzheimer's, either research, helping, wherever the people, what, what we did, what, what, what we're doing for the end of this year, we, we have a particular fund and we're letting people that bought these devices actually vote and say where they want these monies to go to. Okay. So I don't know if I'm allowed to plug that, but corporate responsibility is something that you guys know in 
America. We're trying to initiate it here also, where the corporations and the P and and the people who are providing the jobs are also providing the help for the people who work these jobs. Well, that's fantastic. Um, you know, and this disease affects their employees. It affects their clients. It's it it's silly not to um, participate in this. Um, you know, this is. This is right up there with with cancer and heart disease and, you know, so many others. Um, And it needs to be recognized because it's it's creeping up really, really fast. And we're not we're not taking pace with it. Um, One question I wanted to ask was um, Tomas had uh, shared with us in the chat box that he had to put his mom into a care home. He really didn't have any choice um, to do that. Um, He was caring for her 24 seven um, without, without any help. Um, but he's, he's running into, um, you know, situations where he doesn't feel like staff are as educated as they should be. Do you have some suggestions for him in terms of trying to deal with staff or try to get education for his staff over in Hungary? Um, excuse me. Uh, my first call for the day. Okay. No, (laughs) Yes, there's two particular things that can be done. I'm 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 very well aware of the situation that he's um, running in into. There's two particular things that can be done. He can spend a couple of if if they'll allow him. Some homes are different. Some homes will not. If they'll allow him to stay there and spend time there um, and work and and watch what they do he can educate them on what he would like now what they do while he's gone who knows Mm -hmm. okay on the other portion what he can do if they understand english at, at all we can all we can offer some professional coursework too and Thomas is well aware of that um, him and I communicate a lot um, and I'm I'm well aware that he took care of his mom and I know that it tears his heart out that he had to put her into a home the only thing next to home care that's better is if he can spend more time with her at the facility that she's at and try and work with staff a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's never an easy decision. I know when we had to place my mom, it was the last place I wanted her to be, but I also knew it was the best place for her to be. Um, But it's still very, 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 very difficult. Um, anytime you have that kind of change, you know, going on, it's, it's not, not easy. Um, he, he, um, notes, Thomas, uh, notes, there's no foreign language skills. And he says, I'm afraid. Um, thank you for your suggestions, Philip. Um, so that, you know, communication is just key and education has to go hand in hand with that. And, it just takes all of us just kind of pushing things forward constantly and um, stepping out of that box. And it's hard. It's, um, it's hard and it's tiring and it's frustrating. Um, and I think one of the best ways to keep up your energy with that is just to stay socially connected um, via social, um, social networks um, because there's a lot of people kind of beating that same drum. And when you can connect with like minds, it just makes it just makes the job a little bit easier, I think. Anyways, that's what's worked for me. Um, I would like to ask, um, and just kind of a wrap up question here, uh, Philip. What what's what's coming in the future? What um, what do you see for twenty seventeen? What do I see for 2017? Let's see. If I look into my crystal ball right right now, it's a little bit cloudy. But no. What 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 do I see for 2017? I see the completion of the family 
caregiving course for uh, for um, uh, the Alzheimer's caregiver there. I see the completion of that that course. I see the beginning of the translation and the video work being done on the professional course because our next step here is to take the professional course that is only offered in the States at this point in, in time, take it and to be able to offer it to the professional people here who want to learn. Again, repeating myself from before, the younger people, the younger medical staff, they're thirsty for this. They wish to learn. So I see that our education is going to um, take a new realm and we're pushing, again, more corporations to back us with, with our Telios Pro program to give their employees also the best in uh, healthcare healthcare quest- questions and uh, hopefully a life changing opportunity to set their own directions okay. here. Great. Do you have any um, specific words to somebody who wants to get involved advocating in their? in their country? Uh, Yes, I do. Okay. Um, The Alzheimer's societies in each country are trying to do the best job that they have. If you're interested in being an advocate in your country, I would suggest to contact the Alzheimer's societies for one thing, okay, you can then generate in your own mind if if their cause is actually something you want to get involved with or not. The Purple Angel cause has been a terrific cause. Norms has done an absolutely tremendous job, and I'm sure that you'll um, agree with this. Lori too. He he has put his heart and soul in in this and this organization has grown worldwide so quickly and I haven't I, I, I haven't heard one bad thing said. Yeah it, about it. it's so pretty if, incredible. If anybody is interested in this, I would say that either Alzheimer's Society within your con- country or contact norms also. Yeah. And if you're in the U.S., actually, Alzheimer's Speaks is kind of the the mothership um, for that. So you can just go to alzheimerspeaks.com, go on our initiatives uh, and projects tab, and then scroll down to the Purple Angel. There'll be more information <clears throat> in how you can how you can get involved with that. It costs no money, takes very little time, and we would love to have you join the cause. This is... Uh, this is something I think a, a lot of organizations thought wasn't going to last and was going to go away, and um, they're really seeing, I think, the power behind the the passion and the and the grassroots effect, which is really kind of fun to see and um, see and watch. Um, what is the best way for people to get a hold of you, uh, Philip, if they if they'd like to talk with you further? Um, emails. And I think you you have posted them on uh, your site there. Yep. So emails are mm-hmm. the best way. Um, I don't have a Facebook page. <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed to say, but I, <laughs> it doesn't I, take I, long I to create a, one. <laughs> I don't have a Facebook page, but my wife Carmen still has one. Uh-huh. Okay, and her name was Carmen Almashan, A L M A S A N. And you can friend me there. I can. I will start a Facebook page. Um, I probably will. That's probably a good thing. That would be a great do. thing, I think. Okay. And I am also on LinkedIn. Okay. Wonderful. Well, I so appreciate your time with us today. Um, it's been a very interesting and enlightening conversation Um this navigating the barriers and bridges uh, between Romania and uh, America. 
and uh, it's it's uh, like I said, just absolutely a, a fascinating process. Um, Tomas is just saying thank you so much for the program. It was very interesting. Um, enjoy the holiday season, he says. So uh, thank you. We will definitely do that, Tomas, and, and right back at you. Um, I, again, I I, uh, I really appreciate your time um, telling us, you know, the kind of the, the love story between you and your wife and um, what you did to make her comfortable in her last years um, is pretty incredible. Not everybody would switch countries um, even though you were, you were comfortable there, it's, it's still, um, a move like that is, is pretty big. And, um, I, I just think that that's amazing, um, that you knew that she would be more comfortable there. And so that's, that's where you wanted to go. Um, if I can, if I can inject one more thought on, on mm-hmm. that, my brother-in-law and, uh, and I'll, I'll give this as an ending, um, summary of of type. My brother-in-law took care of Carmen's sister in the States. She had this disease also. Her father died at the age of 52. Her sister died in the States at the age of 52. Her husband, who was taking care of her, had a heart attack one month before she passed away, and he passed away. Mm-hmm. Okay. When I brought her back here, everybody in in the family in the States thought, no, why did you bring her back here? The medical care is, is here. I said she doesn't need medical care right now. There's no cures on the horizon. She's in the... Um, Dion study, if anything occurs, we'll know mm-hmm. about it. I'm going to bring her back her her back here. She lasted four years longer than anybody else in her family. Wow. That social connection is, I think, so vitally critical, and I think it's overlooked way more than it should be. Um, and again, I, I think there's another proven case of it right there with you. Um, letting her be around comfortable surroundings is is uh, just massive. Um, again, today on Dementia Chats, that's one of the things we talked about is, is anybody doing a study about even the, the advocates like Michael Ellen Bogan and Norms McNamara and um, so many others in terms of, you know, is it, a, is it affecting their quality of life and their length of life? And I, I truly believe that it, it has a huge impact when people have um, that not only the social connection, but then if you add on top of it um, a purpose. Um, and I think that that would be a fascinating study. I would love to see more of it done, not just specific to arts or music or something, but just that whole true engagement of family and friends. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And uh, maybe one of these days, or maybe there's one going on out there. I just don't know about it or, or more than one. I would, I would love to hear about it. If, uh, if anyone oh, is studying that. I'm sure that there is. And, and, and if I can inject one more short st- story, mm-hmm. when we moved back here, we were back here about a month and my mother-in-law took her out for a walk mm-hmm. and she came back and my mother-in-law was alone. And in Romania, I said, where is Carmen? I lost her. I said, what do you mean you lost her? I went to buy bread, and I left her alone for a minute. I left her. I said, you left her alone? Yes, I left her alone. And when I turned around, she was gone. We called the police. We did what we needed to do. One of my friends who knew about the disease, I didn't even think about this said let's look at the house where she grew up which was a couple miles away from the place that we had lost her we drove over to the house where she had grown up as a child and she was standing in front of that house wow yep 
And, and yet, how could you be surprised when that's their present? You know, their their past becomes their present. And, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But again, one of those things that is so overlooked and misunderstood um, when it when it comes to this disease. So, well, again, thank you so much, uh, Philip, for being with us. Uh, Jane Moore over in the UK. Um, says happy new year uh, to all and please uh, she she's asking that you please friend her on facebook um so jane is norms mcnamara right and left arm when it comes to the the purple angel project she i believe was the Mm co-founder correct yep yep and she 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 really keeps the wheels spinning and organized and and things so um she has her her hands and her heart full um, when it comes to this project, very well, much so. Well, Jane, Jane, if you're listening also, short story, when we took some of yours and Norm's posters and redid them in our language here and put them them up, some of the some of the places we put them up in, we asked them also, this is why the educational part comes in, so important, we asked them, we'd like to put these up for your customers who have dementia so the families can come in and and sit here and communicate and have a good good time and be at peace and they asked the same question that my family asked why yep that's amazing well again thank you so much for your time philip really appreciate it very much um, for those of you that are new to the alive and social network you might want to check out one of my colleagues um Rachel Perrin, who is a culinary director for Kowalski's Market, uh, her and her sidekick Adam Lee talk um, weekly about uh, oh different types of foods, um, seasonal flavors, trending topics on nutrition, which I'm sure will be um, hitting high um, <laughs> coming the first of the year. Uh, they have a, a segment called What's for Dinner Tonight? And their podcasts are usually 10 to 15 minutes um, per episode. So they're really great, you know, when you're busy and yet you're hungry and trying to figure out what the heck to, to put on your plate. Um, each episode ends with an easy and delicious uh, seasonal menu suggestion. And they also list all their complete menus at Kowalski's.com. That's K-O-W-A-L-S. KIS.com. Um, as for our channel here on Alzheimer's Speaks, uh, not sure if you heard our last episode, but we had Dr. Richard Fenker on. He is the author of Don't Rain on My Parade. We also had Brian LeBlanc, who is living with dementia, and a care partner, Leslie Dilworth, uh, join us in that conversation. Um, we are going to be having Bob Savage on January 3rd. He is also a person living with dementia. And then on January 5th, we're going to have Kathy Safan, and she is a cruise planner for uh, caregivers and their care partners. So I think it's going to be a really uh, interesting conversation coming up this next week. Our last dementia chats that we have posted for video for you to watch talks about moving and construction and how it affects somebody living with dementia. We have a couple of great ones coming up that I have to get edited. Um, One is going to be on advocacy and passing of the wand and how is that done. Um, And then we have another one on trials and uh, should you get involved? If so, how? And then we're going to have a a shorter um, piece just on the holidays and how traditions have stayed the same and yet changed. Um, what else can I tell you? I'll be uh, doing some previews of the fabulous uh, film about dementia and a caring family and community called His Neighbor Phil. I will be out in Woodbury, Minnesota, January 7th, and out in Vadness Heights in Minnesota, January 26th. Um, February, I'm going to be in Indiana and Illinois. And then in March, I've got a couple more previews in Woodbury, Uh, here again. So if you're interested in any of those, please reach out to me and I can give you details. All of those are free free to view and we would love to have you join us. Uh, I also want to give a plug on January 10th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. I am going to be 
um, ex, uh, excuse me, <laughs> I am going to be on Blog Talk Radio with uh, host uh, Gigi Adams-Evans and her co-host PJ uh, Sampson of the Artist Loft. And we're going to discuss caregiving and driving change in dementia care. So feel free to tune into that. Last, I just want to give a big shout out to the Caregiver Alert Center. If you're not aware of them or have not used them, I highly encourage you to check out uh, the Caregiver Alert Center. It is a phenomenal and very reasonably priced service um, that I personally use uh, actually for my grandchildren and um, pets. Um, and they have different segments, but it's a wonderful uh, segment uh, section that they have for caregivers or even people who travel because uh, we never know when something could happen to any of us and it's just nice to have a backup plan and really be able to tap into social media at its highest and finest mode. Um, in uh, wrapping up, I just want to say, you know, please, um, when you are dealing with someone with dementia, focus first on are they safe, are they happy, and are they pain-free? You can always pick up your free memory chip on alzheimerspeaks.com. Talk to you soon.